Thank you for joining us on today's Ask the Expert webinar review of 3D controls, make treatment planning faster and easier in ClinCheck Pro software. You will earn two CE hours for attending today's program. A link to the CE certificate can be found in the resource widget at the bottom of your screen. This link will take you directly to a survey following today's webinar. Additionally, CE hours will automatically be added to your Invisalign Doctor Site account. Please note you are able to listen to today's program via the webcast, and throughout the webinar, you will have the opportunity to ask questions via text, which our presenter will answer at the conclusion of the presentation. We apologize in advance if we are unable to answer everyone's questions since our time is limited, but we will follow up after the program to answer any outstanding questions. Today's program will be archived in its entirety one week from today on the Academy tab of your Invisalign doctor site, where you may also access archived versions of all of our previous Ask the Expert programs anytime for CE hours. It is now my distinct pleasure to introduce our speaker today, Dr. Renee Sterenthal. Dr. Renee Sterenthal is the Global Clinical Development Director at Align Technology, where he has worked since February 2003. He is involved in all the treatment planning initiatives for Invisalign Clear Aligners, including the development of ClinCheck Pro and ClinCheck Web Software. He is also a member of the Align Technology faculty team and lectures extensively. Prior to joining Align Technology, Dr. Sarenthal worked in private practice as an orthodontist in Caracas, Venezuela from 1989 to 2002, and as a general dentist from 1984 to 1989. He earned his dental and orthodontic degrees from Central University of Venezuela, Caracas. Without further delay, I'll turn the program over to Dr. Sterenthal. Dr. Sterenthal, you now have the floor. Welcome to our review of 3D controls, making treatment planning faster and easier in ClinCheck Pro software. I'm Dr. René Sterenthal, Global Clinical Development Director at Align Technology, and it is my pleasure to bring you this webinar. With 3D controls, both the doctor and the Align technician can see the intended final tooth position instead of the technician needing to interpret written notes. This may and will shorten the treatment planning process because a picture is worth a thousand words. As we'll see during the webinar, 3D controls give you gives you precise control to make adjustments to the final position of the teeth, which depict your treatment goal uh, with perfect clarity. Even if you don't know the, ling the orthodontic lingo to describe a movement, but you know the position where the tooth should be in the mouth or how to adjust it to be in a better position, 3D controls enables you to do that. You can make modifications in real time and see the effects immediately to either accept them or discard them. So it helps you brainstorm through the treatment planning process you can easily visualize cause and effect of the treatment planning choices. For example, as I'll show you later in the webinar, you can compare a plan with IPR in the lower arch and a plan with uh, spaces for restorations in the upper arch. And you can seamlessly communicate your desired treatment plan to the technician. The first thing I like to do is to view the model naturally. To do that, I'll click on the occlusal plane inclination and set it to eight degrees. 
The average is between seven and nine degrees, and this will give me a view that is natural as the teeth look in the patient's face. I click on apply, and now all of my views reflect that inclination when I use the presets. Next, I'll turn 3D controls on by clicking on the create modification button. When you see the toolbar on the right side, you know you're in 3D controls mode. Let's take a look at the tools in 3D controls. There are four main tools or tool sets. The tooth adjustments, which allow us to make changes to the actual individual teeth and IPR and spaces. The arch tool, which allows us to make changes to the arch form. The attachments and cuts, which allow us to make changes to the attachments and precision cuts when available. And the IPR tool that allows us to change the settings as to how the software will behave. Auto adjust is the default. You also have keep current and no IPR, which we'll see later. The basic one is tooth, and you see the full menu of the different tools you have to move the teeth. Let's review what, the, what these tools do. The tooth adjustments tools are listed here. Let's review the common elements of their use. You first have to click on a tooth, and you'll see the long axis for the movement highlighted. You can click on this long axis to make changes or adjustments to the tooth position. You see the value of the movement programmed here. This is the movement program from the initial malocclusion to the current final position. And you see the two little arrows on the left and right. These arrows allow you to make tiny adjustments in 0.1 millimeters of increments or one degree for rotation. All tools have the same elements. So the little arrows for fine tuning and the main axis for major movements. Notice that as I move the teeth, IPR may be added or removed. That's the results of the auto adjust for the IPR setting I explained earlier. So we have intrusion extrusion, we have buccal lingual translation, we have mesiodistal translation. Notice that spaces and IPR open as I move them. You have rotation around the long axis of the tooth. So this way I can rotate around the long axis of the tooth on any tooth that I click. Below I have the new hinge rotation axis. This is the Michel hinge rotation axis. It allows me to keep one side in place and rotate the other one. The next one is the distal hinge axis rotation. Allows me to do the opposite. Next, I have the root or crown angulation. Allows me to make angulation changes to the whole tooth. The next tool is the root torque. 
allows me to make buccal or lingual root torque to change the inclination of the teeth, followed by the opposite, proclining or tipping the crowns. And last, I have the multi-user widget tool, which looks quite confusing, but it's essentially designed to have all the tools enabled at once, so a savvy user can switch quickly between one or the other one. Most people work with the individual tooth adjustments. If you make any changes you don't like, remember, feel free to play or adjust. You can always undo the last change, or you can reset the model, all of the changes or just some of them, to the very beginning and start over. Let's now look at the arch tool. When I click on arch, my models change to this view and I see the arch with table opened automatically. I can move it around. I can shorten it or enlarge it to see the difference. And it will show the arch width changes based on intercanine, interbicuspids, and intermolar widths. Let's close it for now so I can show you how to use it. This tool has several elements. The first one is you have to choose which arch to adjust. Default is the upper, so let's make some upper arch adjustments, but you can switch it to the lower if you want to. Click on the upper arch, let's go to the occlusal view, and you'll see I have these controls here. These controls allow me to grab the arch and apply changes to its shape. Notice that symmetric movements is selected. So when I apply the movement symmetrically, they are the same on both sides. Notice also that IPR will change automatically to reflect the changes I've done. Again, IPR is set to auto adjust. So it will do that. I can click on any control point and I can make adjustments. If I uncheck symmetric movements, then I can make adjustments only to one side. When I check symmetric movements again, I'm able to do both, but now the asymmetry I created is probably there as well. So you see, I can set the symmetry to the full arch or, all, or just the anterior teeth. If I click on full, you see the arch is now completely symmetric. Let's do again an asymmetric change, for example. I'm going to do this. It looks weird, I just want to show you. When I click full symmetry, I'm going to get a full symmetric arch based on the changes I did. So I can do more adjustments. You see, when I let go, I procline or expanded the arch and the IPR got removed. But working asymmetrically is very hard unless you have an asymmetric arch to start with. So it's better to click symmetric movements and set symmetry to full. Now, there may be times when I want the symmetry to be applied only to the anterior teeth for whatever reason. So let's say, for example, that I have, actually, let me undo this. You see, if I make a mistake, I can easily undo. Let me uncheck symmetric movements. And let's pretend I have an asymmetric arch, maybe because I had a crossbite. And I want to make some changes here, right? But I want the symmetry to be applied only to the anterior segment. I can click on anterior, and you see the asymmetry, or the symmetry, is applied only to the anterior teeth, 
versus it's applied, if I apply full, it will be applied to the full arch. So these are useful tools. And in general, you'll want to keep symmetric movements enabled unless you have a particular case. Now, I'm making changes to the upper arch sort of ad hoc, right? So you see these dots are the tooth movement assessment that is on. It tells me that I have some more difficult movements. I'm going to turn it off now so it doesn't impair our visualization. So I am have been doing adjustments to the upper arch. If I now go back to both arches, I can see that, well, maybe my arches are not coordinated now because I made adjustments only to the upper arch, which was the arch I was trying to adjust. Now I can click to coordinate the lower to the upper because upper is the one I adjusted. If I if it's in reverse, you see it'll change upper to lower. So this will always coordinate the opposite arch to the one I adjusted. I can also do full arch coordination, posterior only or anterior only. So let's take a look. I'm going to check on full arch coordination. And after a moment, you'll see that the lower arch had some adjustments. If I want to make further adjustments, I can click on lower arch, for example, and I can, you see, do also some adjustments. Remember, I have symmetry, so they're both symmetrics. So I can always fine tune it. I may be, however, introducing heavy occlusal contacts because here I just have a broad view of the arches, but I don't have a view of the details. So this brings us to another tool that is very useful to keep in mind, which is the occlusal contacts. Notice that occlusal contacts didn't say anything, just turned red. It's like a dashboard light in your car. When it turns red, it means stop and take care. Something's happening. So if I click on show heavy occlusal contacts, I will see that my adjustments, which were completely ad hoc, created some heavy occlusal contacts. You see the big reds. If I wanted to remove them, I can just click on resolve heavy occlusal contacts and let the software adjust them automatically. You see, they were so large that they got significantly reduced, but not completely. So I can go one more time and click on Resolve Heavy Occlusal Contacts. And then I have my new arch form changes and I have good anterior contacts. This button is now blue. And if I click Hide, I can take a look and see that I now have a good modification I could submit. What did I just do? I made adjustments to the upper arch, changed or managed the symmetry of that arch, and then coordinated the lower arch to the upper arch and did some manual adjustments to adjust for the coordination, improve it, and then addressed heavy occlusal contacts. If I want to see what was before, I can hover over the heavy, compare with original. So compare with original is the original malocclusion. So it tells me that I added expansion and rounding of the arch. If I click on this button, compare with original, I'm going to the dual view. Let's close the arch with table. And here, if I click on align final, I can compare what the technician gave me for my arch and the changes that I did to the arch form. For example, this is the arch I received, and this is the arch I created. So you see this new arch tool, even though it may appear difficult to use in the beginning, it has quite some power once you learn how to use it properly.
Let's take a look now at the Attachments and Cuts tools. These tools are useful when I want to make changes to place, remove, or add precision cuts or attachments to the teeth. I have here on top the vertical beveled rectangular attachments, here the ellipsoid attachments, and here the standard rectangular attachments. Here we have precision cuts, and here we have a button cutout. These are for elastics, and these are attachments on the teeth. To add an attachment to a tooth, I need to just select the attachment I want. You see, I'll have a little tooltip telling me the name, and just drag it on the tooth. To remove an attachment, I can right-click on it and click on Remove Attachment, or I can just drag it to the trash can. Again, if I made a mistake, I just click Undo, and it's back in place. So let's add an attachment again to that upper canine and see what can I do when I adjust the attachment. If I'm adding a rectangular attachment and I click on it, I have the controls to make changes to its position. Let's zoom in for better visualization. So I can click on it and I can rotate the attachment. I can move it on the tooth. And if we move the model a little bit to see better, you can see I can change its bevel and I can change its prominence, make it shallower, but not thicker. So here you can see the prominence better, right? And here you can see the beveling. So it doesn't matter which one I chose, I can just adjust it the way I want to on the tooth. If I want it oblique, I can do that as well. I can also change the size on the rectangular attachments by right-clicking. I can choose three millimeter, which is shorter, five millimeters, which is the longest, the default will usually be four millimeters. Again, it depends on the crown size. If I want to add another attachment to a different tooth, I just do that. And then I can just move it. Notice that even though I get the toolbar when I highlight it, the minute I click on the attachment, the toolbar, dis uh, the tooltip, I'm sorry, disappears. <clears throat> I can only add conventional attachments or remove any attachments. If I want to remove optimized attachments, I can do that as well. If I want the technician to add optimized attachments, I have to request that in writing. For precision cuts, I need to choose the one I want, drag it and drop it on the tooth, and choose the one I want on the lower molar. In this case, it's a hook. If I don't want the hook, I can also drag it to the trash and drag a button cutout. When I click on the button cutout, I see this button size, which allows me to move the hook mesially or distally around or along the gingival margin. So if I want to place my button more mesially to minimize the molar rotation, I can do that. Precision cuts are used for elastics typically in class two corrections or for interdigitation. Um, and attachments are just used to aid the tooth movements. Let's review now the IPR settings. 
But first, let's take a look at the individual components of the IPR elements. We have the IPR flags or diamonds that show the total amount of IPR prescribed per contact. The up and down arrows allow us to increase or decrease the value. Notice that the changes are in real time. Notice that the padlocks at the bottom are all open by default. When auto adjust is selected, the padlocks are open. When I make an, an adjustment on one of the contacts, the padlock locks because it assumes that I want that amount there, so it will not allow any other tooth movements I do to change that. I can always unlock it if I want to, but the default of automatic locking or unlocking is good for pretty much any situation. If you like the IPR configuration you have, or you have any specific reasons to maintain those values and locations, you can click on Keep Current. You'll see that Keep Current locks all of the values. This is useful when you have particular reasons to maintain the IPR the way it is, or the spacing, for example, but generically across the whole case. Because if you just want to maintain it on a single contact, you can just click and lock the padlock there. Some scenarios would include you already made adjustments for black triangle reduction or over contoured teeth or any other reason. Last, you can click on no IPR and no IPR will completely remove the IPR from the setup and as long as this is selected, will not allow any tooth movements to add or adjust any IPR. So default is auto adjust, you can click it back and then any movements you do would restore or would add or remove or increase or decrease the IPR or the spaces. In addition, you have these controls here, these green pluses. And notice that when I click on the plus, I can add either IPR or space because I have it to auto adjust. If my default is no IPR, when I click on the plus, I can only add spacing. So you see, I click here and then space opens. And again, it has the same up or down arrows. Up or down arrows. I click accidentally on the view icon. So notice that no IPR has no effect on the spaces. But because I adjusted them manually, the padlock is locked. If I want to remove the space in this case, I just click on the icon, which now turn into a red X and say remove spacing. And the space will be removed. So again, auto adjust will allow me to create IPR and spaces. If I want to create IPR on a specific contact, it's exactly the same process. The padlock will be locked because I added it manually and I can increase or decrease it or I can remove it if I want to. Let's take a look at some additional tweaks we can use when working with 3D controls. Let's say, for example, that I'm looking at this model and I want to see the alignment of the teeth and now I find myself, I can't really see the contact because all these pluses and Xs are blocking the view. So it's impossible to make the proper adjustments by rotating the model because it's not the view I want. I want to see it head on. So if I go to the IPR tool, I see that I can 
hide the controls and the flags or just hide the controls so I don't forget I have IPR there. And I have few perfect visibility to make adjustments. For example, the canines here I find are not properly rotated. I want to rotate them Michel in a little bit. So I'm going to go to tooth, Michel in rotation, select the tooth. Actually, that's the wrong one. This one. And do my little adjustment. And you see the IPR changed a little bit. So you see. Now, I added more IPR, but I don't really want it. So I can now, but my alignment is pretty good now. I can now go, for example, I can change or remain in the same view. Show all. Here, I had moved them away. And now I can remove the IPR from here and remove the IPR from here. And again, as long as this doesn't turn blue, I am pretty much where I was except that now I have better alignment of my lower anterior teeth. So hiding selectively the IPR controls, all of them, including the flags or just the X, allow me to control what I see. Now let's take a little bit of a more intrinsic look at how IPR works. When I add IPR between anterior teeth, the teeth move lingually and the contact gets tightened. You see, they're getting closer to, to each other. Both are moving into the contact. If I add IPR here, you see, they're both moving in together. Now, if I, I add IPR distal to the canine, the canine will move lingually, you see. As I add IPR, the canine moves lingually. The bicuspid doesn't move. This is an additional rule we have built in. When, when you're adding IPR between anterior teeth, they all move towards each other. When you're adding IPR between posterior teeth, only the tooth michel to the contact moves distally in this case. Now, let's say that I wanted to reverse that. I don't want this canine to move lingually. I want the bicuspid to move michially. How would I do that? Let's remove the IPR. And when I right click on the canine, for example, here in this case, I don't want the canine to distalize, remember, which is the default behavior. Again, if I add IPR, you see the canine moves distally. That's not what I want. So I right click on the canine and I lock its position. Notice that when I right click, I have two options make unmovable or unlock. Make unmovable will just make the tooth go back to its initial position as if it's an implant or a crown that should not be moved at all. But lock tooth position allows me to lock it in place. Now, when I have this tooth locked in place and I add IPR between the two, only the posterior tooth or the distal tooth in this case can move initially because this one's locked in place. So locking teeth in place will allow me to control some of these behaviors or Make sure that I, a tooth that I like where it is remains in place when I make other adjustments. Again, if I add more IPR, you see it's the posterior is moving initially because this one's locked. I can unlock it. And now if I add IPR, you see it's going to move distally. 
So locking or unlocking the teeth allows me to further control how they respond to any changes I do. If on the other hand, I was to make it unmovable, you see, it went back, it's not rotated anymore, it went back to its initial position, now I have a lot of trouble. So that's not what I want to do. But simply, I can just undo, first the view, it goes in sequence, and now the change I did. So now the tooth is again free to move. So that's the lock on lock position of the teeth. Let's now review how all these tools can be applied in real life. I'm going to make up a modification or a series of modifications to explain how they all tie together and to give you some additional uses or hints or controls to better use 3D controls when you're making modifications. So here we have an initial malocclusion and this is the treatment plan that was posted for our review. And when I play it, I see a couple of things. I see some upper intrusion. If I turn superimposition on, you see there's some upper intrusion. And let's say that I don't want it. Let's say that I want to maintain the incisors where they are because of the smile line. So I don't want that. I also have a deep bite or moderate deep bite, which is being improved, but I don't want those teeth to be, uh, the uppers to be intruded. Therefore, I want the lowers to be more intruded. So you see, if I look at these, I want these lower. So let's start there. So I switch to my 3D controls, right? Let's take a look at both arches. And remember when I explained the initial tool, if I click on the intrusion tool, I click on any of the centrals, I can see here that it has 0.6 millimeters of intrusion. The next one has 0.7. The lateral has 0.4 and the other lateral has 0.7. So they have different amounts of intrusion because their initial positions were different. So if I like the alignment and just want to remove the intrusion, how can I do that? There are several methods. The first one is that I can just click on one of the teeth, right, has 0.6, and use the long axis to get it to zero. And then I can adjust the other tooth or the other teeth visually, right? Once I have my reference, I no longer care about the number. The number may or may not match, but I just want to have like a nice leveled incisal edges or gingival margins, whatever I'm choosing. These are so, somewhat unworn, so I have to make account for that. So I can just do that. Now, if I do that, then I still got what I wanted, no upper anterior intrusion. If I compare with original just by hovering, you see they're pretty much on the same place. And nothing really bad happened here. My occlusion is still blue, which means I did not create heavy occlusal contacts, but my bite deepened a little bit. So let's say that I want to do a little bit of anterior intrusion on the lowers. Now, I can just click one by one, but then I have to play and make sure that each one is aligned correctly or leveled correctly to the other one. Or by pressing the control key, I can just click on all of them and you see they're all great. But, and when I click on the axis of the last one, I can make adjustments to all four individually. So again, if I just click on a single tooth, 
I make adjustments to that tooth, but if I control click, I can make adjustments to a group of teeth. So if I wanted to adjust canine to canine, for example, I could do that. So this is one method of adjusting the case, right? So essentially, I remove the upper intrusion, improve the leveling of the lower a little bit, and I could just submit that modification. You see on the right side, all the modifications I did are listed here, and I can just submit that modification and I get a new plan from the technician once the new plan is posted. Let's say, however, that this is not enough. I want to see, now that I've taken care of the vertical issue on my smile line, which are very important, I want to see what happens if I remove the IPR. Like, the case came with IPR, but what happens if I remove it? So I click on IPR and click on the No IPR button. So now, all the IPR is removed. You see, I saw the teeth come forward, but the red button for occlusion turned on, which means I have heavy anterior contacts. Let's show them. So, not too bad. I just have a couple here on the canines. I can see them here. So, in this case, the easiest way for me would be to just click on Resolve Heavy Occlusal Contacts. Tiny movements will be added, and they're going to be fixed. Now I have good contacts. All of them are green. So here I'm ready to go and submit my modification. And what I just did was made a tiny adjustment and realized that I could treat this case with no IPR. Again, original, deeper bite, and final, better. Now, what happens if I say, well, but I still have some anterior contacts here, and if some of the intrusion does not fully express, you know, I could have some problems. I can continue adjusting the teeth, and I can just go back to tooth, right-click, I mean, control-click on all the anterior teeth, for example, and intrude them slightly and make the contacts lighter, just so it's better, for example, to get the to get, make sure I get my proper setup. Oops, now I got a little red contact here because of a minor adjustment I did. So I just run Resolve Heavy Occlusal Contacts and that will be removed. You see, it's green now. So this is an example of making very simple adjustments to get a new setup that is easier to deliver because I don't have to do the IPR. If anything happens or I find that the this triangle is actually present clinically. Remember, these are virtual black triangles. They are not necessarily there clinically because the virtual gingiva does not behave exactly like the real one will. So I can always do the IPR on my additional aligner order if I need to actually. But I've simplified this case. I've improved the smile line and I've improved the intrusion or the deep bite correction or the overbite correction the way I want to. So this is one example of making an adjustment to a case using 3D controls in a simple manner. Let's say that, for example, I still am not perfectly happy with the leveling or the alignment of these teeth because they're worn. Am I going to restore this little edge here or am I going to grind it down and make it level? That is what I would use to just fine tune the position of the tooth, right? If I think this one's like a little bit too vertical and I'm don't quite like, oh, I can 
make slight changes again to its angulation, right? So 3D controls allow me to do all these little tweaks much better than I can communicate to the technician, add a little bit more of this movement or that movement or nudge it right or nudge it left, which are very difficult for the technician to actually understand and apply correctly the way I meant them. Let's take a look at another sample case where we're going to evaluate again the need of IPR and any other adjustments. So here we have a setup and has a bunch of lower anterior IPR, very tight over jet and over bite, and a pretty good occlusion. So do we have to accept it this way or are there any changes we could do? Let's explore. If I go back and remove the IPR, I'll see that when the IPR is removed, as I expect, I'll have heavy occlusal contacts. So I'll show them. So here we see pretty heavy occlusal contact, but there's no overbite. It's very, very shallow. So I cannot improve it by further intruding uh, the lower incisors, for example, or I'm going to go into an open bite. So what can I do? Well, option one is like, okay, I get it. Go back and undo. and keep my IPR and, for example, proceed to accept the case or make some other tweaks. Or I can open spaces. These teeth are very short. They're sort of worn. Um, if I'm going to do any sort of restorative for this patient or improve the sizes or veneers, then I could play with spaces also. So let's just imagine we're going to do that. Notice that when I open spaces, I don't see IPR because I'm set up to no IPR. And I add a space here. And if I add a space here, and if I add another space here, you see how they're getting smaller? So if I add spaces equally, right now pretty much have excellent contacts. For example, I'm a little bit open which gives me a little bit of lee room, uh, leeway room, sorry. If I need it for my restorations, if it's not enough, I can just add more spaces. For example, I could go higher here on all of them. And if I hide, oops, sorry. If I hide the occlusal contacts, then I see I this is my setup, which would be probably very nice for veneers. Now, maybe I don't want to open all these spaces, so I could remove just this space, right? Always making sure that this never turns red. And I could say, well, but I still want a little bit more overjet. I can just add a little bit more spaces around the laterals, for example, right? And when I do my final restorations, I can decide, well, are they going to be fine? Are they going to be too large? So this allows me to play with spaces as I need to, to set up a restorative case, for example. Let's imagine I'm going to do veneers here on the anterior teeth. So this is an example of using, again, the IPR and spaces to adjust or look at an alternative. Now I have two cases here. So if I click compare with original, I have 
uh, sorry, this is the initial malocclusion. But if I click compare with original, right, I have one setup that was provided by a line with IPR, and I have the setup I just did. You see the doctor final with spaces, and I can compare them. Which one do I want to recommend to my patient? And if I want to have my patient see this one, I can submit it and then later on show both to the patient and explain why I prefer to do this treatment over this treatment and see what he thinks or she thinks. So, as we have seen with 3D controls, both the doctor and the aligned technician can see the intended final tooth position instead of the technician needing to interpret written notes. This will shorten the treatment planning process and give you clarity in your prescription. You can make modifications in real time and assess the changes and benefits or trade-offs. You can easily visualize cause and effect of treatment planning choices, present them to your patient and discuss the treatment with them if needed, and seamlessly communicate the desired treatment plan to the technician. Thank you, Dr. Sterentoff, for a great uh, presentation. My name is Tracy Hobson, and I'm a Senior Marketing Manager at Align Technology, and I'll be moderating the question and answer session for Dr. Sterenthal. We'll do our best to answer all the questions uh, that we received during this time, and um, I'll go ahead and open it up with the first question. Um, the first question, Dr. Sterenthal, is how to make the correct amount of interproximal reduction on an overlap tooth, and how to measure the reduction amount correctly on the overlap tooth. Dr. Sterenthal? Hi. I still hear someone speaking. Hello, Dr. Sterenthal, can you hear us? Yes. Yes, I can. Okay, great. Um, Tracy, do you want to repeat the question? Sure, of course. Apologies for that. The first question is, how to make the correct amount of interproximal reduction on the overlap tooth and how to measure the reduction amount correctly on an overlap tooth. Well, um, thank you for the question. Uh, when you're just performing IPR clinically, you should have the IPR kit or at least, uh, the, the gauges that come with it, which you can buy on your own or as part of the kit. And that's how you measure that you have done the correct amount um, Thank you. Sorry, the next question then is, um, is there a provision when there is a missing tooth? Yes. Uh, the software can handle missing teeth uh, because uh, in the initial setup they've been marked uh, as, as such. Uh, and you can fine-tune the spaces for the missing teeth uh, using spaces, the spaces controls like I demoed here. Uh, so if you want to make the space a little larger because you're going to restore it, you can just click and add more space. Uh, you're going to still have the controls um, uh, to increase or decrease the amount of space present. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Next question. How do you check for the buckle bone to justify for the expansion that you try to achieve in the arch? 
Uh, that's up to you. That's why you're the doctor doctoring the case. Uh, today in ClinCheck software, we don't have any external references to bone or any other tissues, so you should use your clinical judgment. However, if you open the tooth movement table, you can see the amount of movement that you is being applied or you're applying on the crown and on the root uh, that will help you tell if the movement is excessive or not. Uh, and if you have additional records uh, like the x-rays or a CT scan or something, then you can have a better idea of how much is it safe to move that tooth or not. But in the ClinCheck plan alone, you have to use your own uh, clinical judgment. Great, Thanks. next question. Um, how do you address excessive lingual palatal crown tipping in the control? Again, same thing. So your, the ClinCheck software allows you to move the tooth basically anywhere. Uh, so you have to use your clinical judgment to, under, to define, decide or define uh, if the amount of tipping is acceptable or not. Uh, it's very easy to get misled by a beautiful ClinCheck plan that has unrealistic movements. Uh, whether you're creating them or the technician did it following your instructions. So my recommendation is to check the tooth movement table. Uh, if you don't have it enabled on your uh, toolbar, default toolbar, go to the customize um, uh, settings, uh, other tools, and, and add them to the toolbar. Uh, and there you'll be able to either see the crown movements or the root apex movements um, to define when something's excessive. You can also turn on superimposition to give you a visual sense of whether a movement is too large uh, based on what you expect uh, uh, clinically to be there in terms of position of the bone or thickness of the bone and so forth. But you have to use your own uh, clinical criteria. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Next question. How do we duplicate screen to see the old design and new with changes made? Well, so if you are using 3D controls to make changes to a case, like I demoed here in the, in the, in the webinar, you just uh, uh, click on the compare with original, and that gives you the dual screen to uh, see either on the left side the plan the technician sent you, and on the right side the plan you sent. If you want to compare a plan that, you're, that you modified or that you received to a previous plan, then you have to use the compare plan functionality, which is available from the, those two little squares on the upper left corner. One is to compare initial and final of the same plan. The other is to compare different plans. Um, and you have the different plans all in the timeline, under the timeline tab. So you can decide which ones you want to compare, and then it'll allow you to do the same side-by-side -side comparison of two different plans. Thanks. Great, thank you. Uh, the next question is, why do we not have the option of adding optimized attachments? So up until now, you can't add optimized attachments because the, the, the software needs to determine um, if the attachment will fit based on the position of the teeth, the malocclusion, the, the size of the crown, and so forth, and the biomechanical uh, force system needed to, uh, based on the movement programmed. However, we're working on new functionality that you should see, I don't know if this year or next year, um, but it will allow you to basically see for any movement, any tooth, all of the optimized attachments that would qualify, uh, even if they are not placed. Uh, this will address several issues. Sometimes 
you don't like the optimized attention that was placed and you think that a different one would be better. For example, if a tooth is rotating and extruding and you have the rotation attachment, but you say, I want the extrusion or vice versa. Today, you have to write a comment to the technician asking them to place it. Um, but uh, in the future, you'll be able to see that. I'm not sure yet when that will be available, but we're working on that. But uh, that's the reason why you cannot add optimized attachments on your own today. You can still request them manually. Uh, the technician can has the software tools to be able to apply them as long as there is a basic movement qualifying. For example, today we apply the extrusion attachment, uh, the optimized extrusion attachment by default when the extrusion is more than 0.5 millimeters. But let's say that you have 0.3 millimeters of extrusion. This is pure extrusion and it has no attachment, you can write a comment to the tech and tell them to please apply the optimized extrusion attachment to that tooth and they can do that. They cannot, however, apply an intrusion attachment or a rotation attachment if there's no rotation. So the movement, the basic movement has to be there for them to be able to then comply with your request. Thanks. Great, thank you. Next question. Can the tech place appropriate attachments and recommend cuts or hooks if needed, based on tooth and arch adjustments, I suggest? Well, the, when you make changes, any changes, the tech uh, needs to rerun the attachment tool to place, uh, update all the attachments um, based on the movements you've added. If you want to be extra sure that they do that, you can write that in one of your comments. Please, please update all attachments as needed. Um, because sometimes if you've made previous changes or there are some preferences you may have or something, they may not update all of them. That's for the attachments. For precision cuts, they will not make any recommendations. Uh, you have to request them or add them yourself. If you add them, you know what you're doing. If you just say, please add precision cuts, then they'll just uh, fall back to the default preferences for precision cuts. You still have to specify the teeth, so you cannot just say, oh, please add precision cuts for class two elastics because, well, they might default to the canine and molar, which is the typical configuration, but they, they're not either meant or trained to use their clinical judgment, if you will, the, uh, uh, for you. If you have questions on a case, like should I do this or that, should I use class 2 elastics here to improve this, it's much better for you to call clinical support and discuss that with them. Uh, they can give you their opinion and ideas and suggestions uh, for the case. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Dr. Sternthal. Next question. Can you save progress if you are not finished with your adjustments but have to continue another day? Yes. The, so the changes get saved automatically. You don't have to do anything. You just stop working, close the plan, and then pick up where you left uh, uh, the next time from any computer. As long as you're working online, uh, all of your computers will be, let's say, ha will have the latest plan. If you are working offline, then uh, the changes won't get saved until you go back online. Um, but uh, most people are now online, so that's not a, an issue anymore. So yes, they're all saved transparently. Great. Next question. What does the bite icon do? Oh, the bite icon is to change the settings for the bite correction visualization, which is sort of what we used to call the jump for class two elastics from uh, uh, during treatment, which is the default, to have the change of the jaw happen concurrently with the tooth movements before or after uh, treatment uh, to simulate surgical setup. So that's what the bite uh, tool does. 
Thank you. Uh, the next question is, if you add rotation and it increases IPR or adds a new site for IPR, should you keep that new IPR by default? No, that's entirely up to you. Uh, uh, when you add rotation, the tooth may, may not fit in the space available. Uh, that's why IPR gets created. Um, so you can remove the IPR, but then you know, the, teeth, the, 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 the segment will procline and you just need to make sure you don't get, create any heavy anterior uh, uh, interferences. But you don't have to take anything that the software does uh, because the software is programmed to do, let's say, sort of like, like something like uh, a standard or a default behavior. Um, so you can certainly remove it by clicking on the red X and then seeing if it creates any other issues. But sometimes you may need to keep it because there's no room to accommodate the position of that tooth. Thanks. Okay, great. Thank you. Now the next question is, can you explain again the lock tooth feature versus making unmovable function? Yes. I'll start with unmovable. Unmovable is a tooth that should not move at all during treatment. It can be either an implant or a bridge or a tooth that is in perfect position. Doesn't matter. Like if you have a perfect class one occlusion to start with and you want and you are not planning to expand or anything and you just want to make sure that that doesn't change, you can just lock all those. Uh, sorry, make those teeth unmovable. Lock, on the other hand, is after you've moved a tooth or the technician has moved a tooth, you either want to keep its position intact and not have it adjust, or like I demoed in the in the webinar. Uh, you want to control its position relative to the others or the behavior, the behavior of other teeth next related to that tooth. Uh, I did a, the most common example, which is adding posterior IPR for the lower posteriors to mesialize instead of the default behavior for the mesial teeth to distalize. But uh, you can lock it for that reason. So there are two very different behaviors. Lock just keeps it there. Uh, unmovable will send everything back to the beginning, and that may screw up the whole treatment plan because if it was an implant that should not have been moved, then the whole plan is irrelevant and you have to sort of start from scratch. Thanks. Thank you, Dr. Sternhoff. The next question, when uh, intruding mandibular incisors, what one must pay attention to the root positioning relative to the periodontal. Do you use superimposition tool? Do you use the superimposition tool for that? Oh, absolutely. You can use the superimposition tool and you can use the tooth movement table tool uh, uh, also to make sure that your root apex is moving excessively buccolingually. So absolutely, those two tools are great. Okay, great. Next question, what about overcorrection in deep bites and overbites to get clinically what we see in ClinCheck? Uh, good question. Overcorrection is added or overtreatment, meaning doing more than what's just needed uh, for the, let's say, for the ideal result uh, is a common orthodontic approach because uh, the teeth lag and with any device or appliance, uh, you won't get there if you don't push a little past. So you can add that by just uh, continuing to intrude the teeth. For example, um, in, in, in one of the demos I, I gave, I intruded slightly to loosen the contacts, but I could continue intruding to get, for example, to a zero millimeter overbite, um, or even more, depending on how deep the initial bite was, uh, to build that over-treatment uh, uh, into the treatment plan, uh, basically to achieve the goal I'm achieving. It's not that I want to create an open bite, it's just that knowing that many times 
the intuition will lag or will not express 100%. I'm just building more of it. And how much more is something that is, uh, you know, up to you, uh, up to the experience. Most people go for a zero millimeter overbite as a target. If you have a patient that happens to be amazing in responding to the treatment, you stop the treatment as soon as you have your proper intrusion accomplished clinically, and then you do an additional aligner order. But for most patients, you just continue to the end to get the, uh, the proper clinical result. Thanks. Excellent. Thank you. Next question. Uh, sometimes heavy occlusal contacts are useful to open a deep bite. Can you comment on that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, many doctors add heavy occlusal contacts on the posterior by extruding them against each other, so you'll get the big red contacts. And that's why when you click on submit the modification, you'll get the inspection warning that says heavy occlusal contacts are are present, and how do you want to handle them? There are three options. There's a little eye icon, like from an eyeball, <laughs> for you to go back and review them, or you can say fix for me or keep as is. And if you want them on purpose, you just click keep as is so the technician does not remove them. If you don't, don't want them or, or they were added accidentally and you don't really care and don't want to spend time addressing them, you can just click on fix for me. But when you've added them on purpose, just click um, keep as is and the technician will not remove them. Great, thank you. We've received a lot of excellent questions, um, but unfortunately we are um, at, our, uh, at the time uh, limit for this webinar. So we'll ask one last question and I'll go ahead and wrap up. The last question is, is adding spaces to de decrease occlusal contacts the same as protruding the teeth? Yes, so, so adding spaces will procline uh, the teeth. Absolutely, because they just like removing spaces, we'll retract them. Um, so, yes. Great. Thank you. Um, so, as I mentioned, there are several questions we did not have a chance to get to, uh, but, we're, again, we're out of time. So, we'll, if you've submitted a question and we did not have a chance to answer the question, we'll do our best to answer it after the program uh, follow-up via email. Um, as a reminder, please use the link that was provided to get your CE certification, our CE credits for this webinar. And one week from today, the entire program will be archived on the Academy tab of, of the Invisalign doctor site. So you'll be able to view this webinar in its entirety uh, at that time. Dr. Sterntel, thank you for a great presentation and thank you to all who attended for taking the time out of your Friday to join us. We look forward to seeing you on a future Ask the Expert webinar. Have a great day. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye.